breaking down all the plays and getting you in the action. We've got you covered all season long. Welcome to the BCSN Nation podcast powered by Marco's Pizza. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome into season two, episode number 14 here on the BCSN Nation podcast powered by Marco's Pizza. Welcome in. Thank you so much for stopping by today. We are about to take a look at week four coming up of the 2023 high school football playoff season. We're also going to take a look back at some things that have happened this week. We're going to start things off with Justin this week. What is one lesson that can be learned from week three of the playoffs? Well, it's nice you start with me because usually Mike Rob steals what I was going to say. <laughs> so I'm going to go with what I learned was Central Catholic and Whiteford returned to dominance. They got a little shaky, if you will, Central Catholic against Defiance. And then they returned, serve, and crushed Mansfield Sr. Down 10 nothing, scored 41 and unanswered. So Central and Whiteford reassert their dominance. All right, Mike Rob, what you got? Yeah, I learned exactly what Justin learned. I got to <laughs> go first so I can say the same thing he said. <laughs> but, uh, no, <laughs> but honestly, you know, I, I think what we learned here is that, you know, to be a really good team in the playoffs, you got to be able to run the ball effectively. And you got to know how to play some defense. So running the ball and playing good defense is what's going to get you far along. All right. Well, coming up on today's show, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to kick things off with the Battle of I-75 that happened last week. We'll get to that here in a moment. But we got that today. We're also talking Perkins, Central Catholic, Whiteford still alive in the playoff race. We're talking our favorite teams from this season and so much more coming up on the podcast today. Make sure you tune in each and every week to the BCSN Nation podcast powered by Marco's Pizza Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Make sure you tune in and also listen to us throughout the week on our audio podcast platforms on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and bcsnnation.com slash podcast. And also, make sure to catch all of our content on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at BCSN Sports. We have daily content going out every single day. You don't want to miss it. All right, let's move on here to the Battle of I-75 that happened last night in Bowling Green at Doit Perry Stadium, Bowling Green, Toledo, this game was absolutely electrifying. Here are some scenes from the game last night. Toledo comes away with a 32-31 to 31 victory in this game after Bowling Green led the game for about three quarters of that game. And with a buck 45 left in the game on a fourth and two play, Jacques Stewart goes for 59 yards and the touchdown to tie up the game at 31 all. And then the extra point puts Toledo ahead 32 to 31. This all happened, by the way, Mike Rob, when BG was up 28 to 10 at the half. So when you're looking at this matchup here, a story of two halves on the gridiron last night. Absolutely. I mean, the first half, Bowling Green came out with an amazing game plan. They did what they wanted to do. They they, they used a lot of trickeration and a lot of formations to be able to put Toledo defense in a bind. And then offensively, Toledo just needed some slow to get some snow to be able to get sledding because it just wasn't going their way in the first half at all. Uh, Daquan Finn didn't look like himself. Penny Boone wasn't able to get the yards that they wanted to. A lot of silly penalties, put the uh, Rockets behind the chains. And they were quite honestly shooting themselves in the foot. And uh, in the second half of this game, like you said, the Rockets made the adjustments necessary and came out offensively and dominated and defensively the same way. I I love this matchup. So many great things to explore here. Those pictures you took, uh, Brendan, saw Storm Norton. Did you just catch Storm Norton there on the sidelines? There, the boy. Uh, Storm Norton, former Whitmer guy, former UT guy, played in the NFL. Good to see him back in the 419. 
uh, that play that you talked about, the 59-yard touchdown pass from Daquan Finn to Jaquez Stewart. Tried right, gang M, right 60, M hold, two wind, the play call for that. So Ooh. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different words as a part of that. <laughs> Love the uh, terminology and the language there. But what I noticed is the big play capability of UT. Yes. All the points that BG yeah. scored were grinded out five yards here, seven yards here, three yards here, 12 yards here. And that, that worked for getting points on the board. Yeah. But with UT, a 59-yard uh, pass there. Uh, Daquan Finn, a 23-yard run. Um, Vandeross, a 22-yard touchdown pass. So bigger chunk yards plays that sometimes just break the back of a defense. But for them to get the job done for UT student section, hats off to both student sections for oh, yeah. UT mm-hmm. and BG. They stayed the entirety of the game because it was a close game in that second half. And then UT's student section storms the field yes. on the opposing turf. Oh. I like that just adds another layer of yes. rivalry. I love the rivalries <laughs> and the little tiny tidbits from year to year to year. That's fantastic. So uh, 12 out of 14, UT has beaten BG in the last 14 games. Three and two in the last five, and UT keeps it alive. They've won 10 in a row. I mean, just go back to September, the beginning of the year, that road loss at Illinois and a fourth down play where Illinois has to make a perfect pass and a perfect catch to set up the go-ahead game-winning field goal, or we'd be talking about UT potentially being 11-0 and instead of 10-1, and but they're still in the mix with Liberty and Tulane also in the group of five trying to get the top ranking yep. there for a chance at a New Year's Six Bowl. So everything's on the table. It looked dire for a little bit, but UT, punch for punch, came through in the clutch. Absolutely. And two key things that I want to look at with that game, Mike Rob. The second half adjustments from Toledo. Yep. I mean, coming in in that second half, scoring right after getting a three and out, I believe, on Bowling Green that yep. first series. And then the second thing, Connor Bazelak going down for Bowling Green really affected the offense for Bowling Green in that second half. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the the defense, you know, stepped up in a lot of different ways, you know, um, and, and a lot of that has come to the, you know, fallout of, uh, you know, uh, Bazelak, you know, because Judge Culpepper, Deshaun Holt had about two or three sacks on the night, you know, putting a lot of hits on that quarterback, and he was already banged up. You know, um, I think there was a point in time in the third quarter where Judge Culpepper hit him two times in a row, and he was just really grimacing trying to get up off the ground. And when that happened, I knew they had to play Orth, and Orth is not necessarily your throwing type of quarterback. He's a running guy. He's going to be really good by the time his career is over. I guarantee you that. He's somebody that you're going to watch out for. But at that, at this moment in the season, he wasn't ready for it. And then last year, what adds to this thing is Tucker Gleason was the quarterback in this game last year mm. at the Glass Bowl. Daquan Finn didn't play in this game, so he's really getting his first feet wet, his feet wet in this game and trying to get it going, and he really didn't want to lose that game. There was a point in time I was sitting on the bench listening to Coach State and what he said. He was like, let's take their hearts like they took ours. And that's what he said in the third quarter oh, to, nice, the, to the tight man. ends. And then when I heard that, I knew. I was like, oh, yeah, these dudes, are they're ready to go. And then they made a nice comeback. Take a look at the stats of the two quarterbacks for BG. Bazelak, 23 of 35 for 286 yards and a touchdown, zero interceptions. Yes, he was sacked four times, like you mentioned. Camden North, 3 of 11 for 23 yards. He was sacked once. He did have a touchdown pass. But uh, the running game for Orth, nine runs for 38 yards, uh, a net of 29. So uh, if ineffectiveness in that second half and coach Scott Leffler said they were going for the win in their second to last drive 
and it just they weren't connecting. The yeah. the passes were were just not on point. And Quinion Mitchell, star defensive back for UT, who'll be in the NFL next year. He had two pass breakups last night. He's Elite got forty. Breakups. Yeah, he's got forty four on his career. So that's the all time pass breakup leader for UT passing Sam Womack, another yep. star in recent years for UT. So uh, they're, they're, they've clicked. They didn't click in that first half, but over the course of the season, the true test of time on a bigger sample size, offense is awesome for UT. Defense has played yep. well, not as well as last year, but still room for growth there. And then special teams, we saw Jack West Stewart. How about him? He ran back the opening uh, kickoff had a kickoff return in midweek matching last week yeah and then he catches that ball dude he was flying yes. down the sideline <laughs> I mean it was a all-out sprint looking like Usain Bolt 100 yeah. meter dash in the Olympics and he had that lane I'm just surprised that there's no BGDB to kind of filter over from the middle of the field there there was one over there but a lot of credit has to go to Mr. Torres Torres had the block of the game. You know, he ran down the sideline right there with Jacquez Stewart, and he was running step for step with him, putting a hand on the on, on the uh, defensive back there and gave that little bit of a crease for Jacquez to go. So if you haven't seen that, go back and watch it, and you will see Torres, who was a player that uh, who made that play happen. So great point right there, Justin. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, that is going to do it here for our discussion of the Battle of I-75. Congratulations to the Rockets. Oh, coming out there and getting I love the when big you say that. Win. You know, he's a BG grad. Viewers <laughs> at home, he's a BG grad. Yes. Look at his cup. Look I'm at a Falcon. Cup. I got the BGSU cup. We got Mike Rob, the Rocket, over here. You know, it's no, it's a good time. Congratulations to the Rockets. It was a fantastic game. And uh, on, actually, my very first Battle of I 75 that I've ever actually attended. I've been at Bowling Green since 2019 and I haven't been able to be to a oh, game. So that's on you, Brendan. <laughs> that's on I you, Brendan. I had to watch the big game last year on the TV, but it's okay. All right, let's move in now. We're going to talk. We're going to go back to high school football now. We're going to recap some games that happened last week. Quickly here, we're going to take a look at Bluffton versus Ottawa Hills last week. This was a matchup that I think we mentioned before was going to be an uphill battle for Ottawa Hills, and it certainly was that in the game as Bluffton gets their ninth shutout of the season last week after blanking Ottawa Hills 34 to nothing. Justin, what did we see last week? I mean, yeah, dude, what you say there? Nine shutouts. Nine shutouts over the course of... 13 games. I mean, just Bluffton is is terrific. Uh, but Ottawa Hills, they just ran into a better team. It, that debate of would you rather lose in a nail-biter in the final seconds or get beat in a shutout fashion, I, I can see both sides of the coin there. But Coach Brandon Carter for Ottawa Hills, straight up honesty, oozing out of his mouth after the game. Hey, we, we played well. We had a great season. We just ran into a team that was superior to us. No Reddick Pillarelli out with the broken collarbone, yeah. limiting the offense to a certain degree. They overcame that injury two weeks ago in, in, in back-to-back playoff wins, uh, but just couldn't do it against a superior Bedford, or excuse yeah. me, Bluffton team. But 11 wins. I looked at uh, Ottawa Hill's roster, just five seniors. Yes, you know, smaller roster size for a Division Six team. They're going to miss John Prozik. They're going to miss Luke Nepper next season. But a lot of playmakers on this Ottawa Hills team are not graduating. They are either sophomores or juniors, so they will be juniors and seniors next year. So in the essence of Coach Brandon Gardner, the blood, sweat, and tears of building a program, mm-hmm. it's not just going to be a, a one-hit wonder capitalizing on some superior talent this year. 
they're going to be there at least for next year. And then how you grow a program, you win, and you win some more, and you win some more, and you get sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Oh, I want to be a part of that. Oh, I want to be a part of that. And then you start building successive years and stacking those seasons and stacking those victories. Absolutely. You know, and the one thing they, they got to really focus on this offseason is the run defense because uh, Landon Worcester, he went for 178 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, that's something that, you know, you want to tighten up and clean up because, again, it talked about defense and running the ball. And Ottawa Hills does a great job, a little bit banged up, but if they can tighten up their defense, I think that team could be very scary. Well, congratulations on a very, very solid year from the Ottawa Hills Green Bears. Unfortunately, ending a little early, but congratulations. And we'll see how you do next season on the gridiron. Let's move into another game that happened last week. Another local area team that's going home here. Anthony Wayne and Medina Highland last week. This was a game that did not go in favor of the Generals as the Hornets' strong offense and dominating defense took the win 31-10. to Grant Kinney went out in the second half of that game. Hurts, Cadence Carswell came in for him, but unfortunately, Anthony Wayne just not able to put together a complete game last week. You know, it was a great run. I mean, it was just a great run all in general. You know, uh, the Generals did an excellent job of just finding a way to just win football games late in the season, and then when they lost their Five-star general, like I always say, is uh, mm-hmm. Grant Kenny. You know that was that was tough. You know I think that was that's put them in a situation where they've always had some issues with trying to find a nice solid backup for the years. And and Cadence Carswell, bless his heart, you know the kid went out and played defense, offense, uh, O line probably at times, running back at times, tight end, D end, linebacker. I mean he does it all. I mean so you give a lot of credit to him. But uh, in that moment they needed their. They needed their guy, and uh, and they didn't have him to be able to get this thing uh, sealed up. So I think they'll be back and ready to go next year. Yeah, 2016 was the last time that Anthony Wayne got past the second round, reached all the way to the state semifinals until this year. So they won two playoff games, came up short in round three against Medina Highland, uh, a team that is a perennial power. And in some respects, you could say that Anthony Wayne is is on the cusp of being a perennial power they're a perennial playoff contender, perennial playoff participant. They've been in the playoffs every single year that Coach Brungard has been there all eight years. The next step is to become a team who can go on deep playoff runs, and you can expect them to be a, a, a top seed. And they earned a two seed, got to the neutral site round. So it's been a, a great season for them. The injury, of course, to Grant Kinney in the third quarter uh, didn't help anything. But keep in mind, it wasn't as if it was a neck-and-neck neck game at that point. Right. They were yeah. – playing from behind, and I asked Coach Brungard kind of what was the difference, and he said we couldn't convert when we were inside the five-yard line twice. We only came away with three points that close to the end zone. First drive of the second half, Grant goes down, and we couldn't return, and we went flat after that happened. So somewhat natural human nature, your your star player, your best player, your leader, your captain as a junior, and he goes down, and it's it's deflating. Uh, Carswell had a long touchdown pass to win sharp, I yes. think, in, yep. in the second half there to, to make it a respectable 31-10 to 10 outcome. Four minutes left. Yeah, but uh, you know, Anthony Wayne did very, very good things over the course of the season. They're always going to have a stellar defense. Coach Craig Rutherford, the other thing, his first year as the defensive coordinator with Anthony Wayne, in general, most of the time, the second time you do something, the third time you do something. So next season for Coach Craig Rutherford should be easier. Maybe you can add some elements to that defensive scheme. And then if you have the guys who can kind of come up through the ranks, and that's what Anthony Wayne has done during those eight years, is have guys be able to plug and play. You earn your way into that starting role, yeah. and then you're ready to go when the bright lights of Friday night are coming on. All right, well. 
Congratulations, Anthony Wayne, on a solid season. The dark horse of Mike Robb made it very far in the postseason. We are excited to see what you're able to do next season on the gridiron. All right, let's jump in now to our clip of the week. All right, welcome into our clip of the week brought to you by Renewal by Anderson here on the BCSN Nation podcast powered by Marco's Pizza. This week, we're taking a look at a clip from Sandusky Perkins last week as they shut down West Holmes 38-21. to And Caden Nixon coming away with a great touchdown grab in the back of the end zone. Mike Rob, what are we seeing here? You see a, a, a beautiful catch right there in the back of the end zone if you're just looking at it from a naked eye standpoint. We're going to break this thing down like it's a big play breakdown. But look at the number <laughs> number one receiver, and uh, that's Braylon Collier. As he goes inside, you know, they got some type of switch route going on. Inside guy runs a post. He's kind of sit down and outside uh, – I'm sorry, inside guy runs a corner route. But what you see here is they are obviously in some type of zone, some type of cover three, flat kind of look. And the number two defender who's sitting on top of number three, which is Mr. Nix right there, he did not look to play the football at all. The guy over the top, the cornerback, he did not know what was happening to him right there. And uh, eyes get lost. But what I see here is eyes in the backfield by defensive backs. That is the number one thing I see why he was able to make a beautiful play like that on top of his athletic ability. Yeah, I agree with all that. Uh, the two DBs in the back left screen here, uh, it's like, uh, are you going to get him? Are you going to get him? Yeah. That's kind of yeah. what it looked yeah. like yeah. there. And that's just unfortunate because look at what time it is right here. It's not like the game's over. Like, let's let's play, boys. It's first quarter here. Right. Uh, so, but keep it in mind what Mike Rob just said, you know, the threat of the running game that they have as well with Isaac Bunce and some other Perkins Pirates players. Uh, This is why Perkins is so good. This is why they're undefeated, and this is why they're going to take on Cleveland-Glenville in the regional finals. We'll get to that in a little bit here on the podcast. But just a fantastic play, and it's not as if this is the first time we've seen plays like this being made by Perkins. Uh, They have been terrific all season long. And when you got a key on Braylon Collier, you open it up for other players like that. But with the extension, kind of reminds me of Napoleon's Trey Rubenstein yes. oh, yeah. in the yep. back corner of the Absolutely. end zone, yep. uh, reminiscent of some of the plays that he's made this season. Yeah, just an unbelievable grab right here. And I remember sitting in the studio and Mike Robb watched that happen on one of the TVs. And he goes, <laughs> BG, there's a big play that just happened right there. Take a look at it. And I did. And here we are taking a look at the clip of the week. All right, if you guys want to see more highlight clips just like this, make sure to follow us on our TikTok. It's at BCSN Sports. We post highlight clips just like this each and every week. You don't want to miss it. Go over there and give us a follow. All right, so we, we teased this <clears throat> last week. We have our football, and with our football, we've got our student sections. We teased the student section of the season last week, and this week we're here to tell you that the student section of the season goes to the Southview Cougar Nation. We brought the belt out to them last week. We took it to them, and not only did we bring the belt to them, but they get to keep the belt. They get to show it off in the halls of Southview High School. Southview, you guys were absolutely phenomenal all season long, showing up, being loud, being proud consistently. Mm injecting spirit into the school and the athletic department over there. Congratulations on an incredible season. And by the way, coming up here soon, once basketball season starts, we're going to be jumping right back into the Unison Health student section of the week. So make sure you remember when the student section start up, share your photos and your videos at BCSN Sports and use the hashtag SSOTW on social media for a chance to have that student section of the week award. All right, let's move on to some games that are happening this week. On the gridiron, we've got, man, Whiteford just continuing 
to push forward under Todd Deacon. They're going to be taking on Riverview Gabriel Richard this week. Uh, <clears throat> they took down Clarkston Everest Collegiate last week, 31-28, to and Whiteford trounced on White Pigeon in a big 54-6 to win. Mike Robb. Are the Bobcats paving the way to another potential state championship? You know what? They're getting a lot of national attention, too, at the moment. Ooh. You know, I saw them on overtime, you know, uh, with a nice video showing their, hey, there's a football team that plays in this magical woods, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and so Whiteford is uh, definitely riding a, a high right now. And one thing that I really like about them is, uh, again, it's their coaching. You know, Coach Teakin has done a beautiful job of just really keeping his programs nice and sound. What Jason Mensing set up, he came over and just kind of just continue what they were doing and building on this legacy and this tradition that we're seeing there at Whiteford. Um, I'm just really proud of this small team here, just finding a way to dominate. But they are not just small in stature. They are big on the field. I mean, they make so many plays, and they can do it in so many different ways, especially with two young kids playing back and forth at quarterback. Relentless is the word that I like to, to use to describe Whiteford. They just pound you with the running game. They make you think that we're going to run it, run it, run it, and then they beat you with a 40-yard pass over your defensive back's head. They can run inside. They can run outside. They play well on special teams. Their defense plays locked down. Uh, they have just been fantastic from the beginning to the end. We've seen them in one or two close games back in September against Blissfield, maybe even early, late August against Blissfield, and then in a BCSN game of the week at Ottawa, Ottawa Hills, Hills, 26 to 21 was the final score there. But they have just been a, a team that you don't want to mess with. And they are a, a team, yes, in a, a smaller school and a smaller roster, but they win games by their reputation in some cases because they just dominate teams 54 to 6 you know this is yeah. this is not the first round of the playoffs this is right. 3 games into the postseason and you're winning games 54 to 6 you got seniors Ryan Ruddy Hunter DeBar Colby Masterant Stepan Masterant Jake Ayat Drew Nags uh Jack Ayat yep. Trent Ulrich Luke uh, Vida just on down the line, and I just crossed off a bunch of different position groups there as well. Yeah. They're not just, okay, we got a good running back or we got a good quarterback. Their quarterback is a, a freshman, Trey Eitner, and then Ryan Ruddy comes in, as you mm -hmm. mentioned, as well. So the, to get that experience from Eitner's, and he's a younger brother of some of older brothers who played the position and played a lot of sports at, at Whiteford. So uh, he has the advantage of, of seeing those older brothers been there, do that kind of thing. And, and his older brother, Thomas Eitner, won a state title. So he's got a chance to play in a state title game if they can beat Gabriel Richard. And, and from my knowledge, Whiteford should do that. Uh, Gabriel Richard, yeah. eight and four uh, after 12 games this season. And Whiteford has just been uh, dominant, they're cohesive, complementary football. The offense sets up the defense. The defense sets up the offense with good playoff or good field position. And then the fact of recent history: last year, these two teams played each other in the playoffs, and Whiteford won fifty-six to nineteen. So all of the cards <laughs> appear to be dealt to Whiteford that they should find their way back to Detroit's Ford Field on Saturday. Just FYI to some viewers out there: normally. The state championship games at Ford Field are Friday after Thanksgiving and Saturday after Thanksgiving. This year, it's Saturday and Sunday after Thanksgiving because there is a, a Michigan State game, oh, college yes. game, at Detroit's Ford Field on Friday the day after Thanksgiving. But uh, you can book your tickets to Detroit for the Saturday after Thanksgiving, 10 a.m. or 10.30 start time for Whiteford. They look like they're going to remain unbeaten. And you brought it up all the time, Mike Rob. Yeah. 
Todd Teakin doesn't know how to lose. He has never lost a game as a head <laughs> coach since he's taken over to Whiteford last year for the departing Jason Mensing. And this is why I have my tickets already booked before. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there, Whiteford. Look at that. Meet right. me there. We're going to see what happens, Whiteford. Continue it. Let's see how you do. All right, let's move on to another game here. We got Sandusky Perkins this week taking on Cleveland Glenville. Ooh, this is going to be a good one. This is happening at Illyria, which, by the way, is my hometown. So that's going to be a cool one to see <clears throat> the, the home of the pioneers out there. Uh, the Pirates last week with a strong showing in their routes over West Holmes, 38 to 21. And the Tar Blooders put up some big numbers over Shelby in a 50 to 14 win. So, Mike Rob, when we're looking at this game right here, can the Perkins Pirates kick the reigning state champs out of the race for the title? They have a chance. Okay. I'm telling you, they have a chance. You're telling me there's a chance. But <laughs> the size of that chance, I don't know. Uh, they got to have some things go right for them, and Glenville has to have a lot of things go wrong for them. This has got to be a game where Perkins put Glenville in a situation where they're on their heels early. They're putting them behind the chains, but that means you're stopping Deshante Jones, one of the top running backs in the state. You know, and then you also got to look at Mr. Witten, one of the best tight ends, split out guys that you can find in the state as well. Uh, and, and this is just a football team that is probably one of the better teams uh, collectively. You know, they've played a very tough schedule out of conference. Obviously, their in-conference schedule is comparable to the Toledo City League. You know, they don't have a lot of competition in that. But when you're going to play IMG, you're loading up with Avon, and you're going up against some dudes week in, week out. Uh, this makes it a tough challenge for Logan Lesh and the boys. Yeah, and I'll keep this quick because I know we got a couple other games to get to and not a whole lot of time. But Braylon Collier, Weston Sturzinger, Logan Lesh, Joey Dietrich, Isaac Bunce, Jake Ziegler and Joey Ziegler, they've been fantastic all season long. They will give it a go, and I think this is a fourth-quarter game. All right. Well, you mentioned it. we got another game coming up this week. we got Central Catholic out of Division Three taking on Tiffin Columbia. Now, this is a matchup that has been teased really all season long. Mike Rob's yeah. been talking about this potential game coming up. Central Catholic. Justin alluded to it earlier on the podcast. We're down early 10 to nothing in this game and scored 41 unanswered against Mansfield Senior to win 41 to 10. Tiffin Columbian with the 35 to nothing shutout last week. What are we seeing in this matchup well, right here? This is what they're going to have to do if they want to win this game. They're going to have to take the same playbook uh, that, that they saw that Bowling Green used in the first half versus Toledo. Catch and throw. Don't take too much time. You get the ball out of your hand with less than two seconds. Throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, because once you start letting Michael Cannings and the rest of those guys start creeping up in the backfield and putting your quarterback on the ground, it's going to be a long night. So you got to protect your quarterback if you're Tiffin Columbian, because if you can't do that, you're not going to win this game. You're going to get blown out. Central's won 28 games in a row. Give some people some information about Columbian. Two losses all season long to Bishop Watterson. They're 12-1, still mm -hmm. alive. They lost to Perkins. We talked about them. They're 12-0, yep. still alive. So they've been battle-tested taken on teams that uh, got past them, but they've been in those games. Coach Judd Lutz has done a great job. Braden Rogo and Bryce Rogo, the quarterback wide receiver brother connection. I saw it firsthand on the sidelines in their game last week against uh, Medina Buckeye, and they got a running back, Damian Brockington, so they can control the ball. At times, they were moving the ball with ease. So, yes, Central is going to be better than Medina Buckeye, but uh, this should be a solid game, one that we've been talking about that we expected to see. Yeah. At the beginning of the playoffs. Yes. Yes. It's going to be really, really interesting to see Central Catholic. They, it, it looked really interesting watching the beginning of that game last week. And then they just turned into vintage Central Catholic scoring 41 unanswered. It was just fantastic to see. All right. Let's jump into our last little bit here on the show. We've, we're very, very deep into the 2023 high school football season, which means we can kind of take a look back and 
kind of get a good picture of the overall season and some of the teams that we enjoyed watching. So, Justin, I want to start with you. Give me five teams that are your favorite to watch from this season. All right, I, I, I had more than five, I'll okay. be honest. Okay, we <laughs> got right. two minutes to go. I'll give you Finley, Southview, St. John's, Ottawa Hills, Maumee, Liberty Center, and Start. Kind of crossing off a lot of boxes there, checking off a lot of boxes from all the different leagues that we cover in the BCSN viewing area. Finley just so explosive. Ryan Montgomery's coming back. Southview back on the map saying that, hey, we're here. We're going to get a top seed. We're going to compete in the postseason. St. John's because of the learning curve. They got two sophomore quarterbacks who... Got reps at the varsity level. Bright things ahead for them. Ottawa Hills, unprecedented 11 wins. Terrific for Coach Brandon Carter. Balmy in the dumps, not in the dumps anymore. No. They came back and they've played extremely well and gotten to where they need to be and done well in their first year in the NBC. Liberty Center into the regional finals. Terrific. And then start competing in the last game of the season against Lima Senior to try to win it. They got the job done and future things ahead for Nate uh, James in his first year there, second year should be better. All right, Mike Rob, what do you got over here? Hey, well, you know, I just had to switch my list up because I didn't want to have the same teams as Justin. <laughs> but I might, I might. Hey, but I guess Southview is one of the teams. Uh, obviously, Isaac Sexton, the amazing yes. year that they had. Uh, Coach Hardy did an excellent job getting these guys together. I'm sorry. And then uh, Clay, Clay, Ooh. the Eagles. Okay. You got to love the Clay Eagles and how dominant they were at the beginning of the season and just showed the talent that they had. On that roster, I really like what they got well with Coach John Gallius. And look at Central Catholic. Central Catholic being Central Catholic is nothing better than seeing somebody do what you expect them to do. And that's what we get from them year in, year out, Coach Dempsey. And then also looking at Whitmer. Whitmer was a team I was excited about. And then Whiteford. All right. Well, you mentioned Clay right there. Mike Jewell, a forever listener of the podcast. I believe he had Clay on his rankings last week, actually, on Game Day Nation. All right, make sure you guys tune in not next week. We will not be here next week. It's going to be Thanksgiving next week. So we'll be back on the podcast Wednesday, November 29th at 4 p.m. on BCSN. Thank you for stopping by today. We'll see you then.